Hey, welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. Clarity is a one-year experience we're doing at Fellowship where we are seeking uh, to commit a year to seeing Jesus more clearly. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Garland. And today, as we are in the Advent season heading toward Christmas, we are going to discuss Santa Claus. Santa. Dear old Santa. Garland, what, what was your experience of Santa growing up? Um, Santa was an interesting, uh, thing for us. We, I had divorced parents and so, uh, we would, Santa would come early to, uh, my mom's house, which I always found to be, uh, confusing. My mom was a, uh, would, was very much into Santa Claus and even to this day still tries to convince me that Santa is real. (laughs) The problem with that is when I was like seven, I found the presents with Santa's name on it in the closet where she hid them. And I was looking for them. And maybe it's because I'm skeptical. I even from that early age, I was like, I don't buy this. I don't believe in this. And uh, I went hunting for uh, the presents from Santa and found them like like in late November. And so uh, then I made a point every single time to try to blow that up to my mom. And I was probably rude and mean about it. And then she would <laughs> continue to lie and say Santa's real. And that was kind of how it went for years in our house. <laughs> I'm impressed that the presents they were joyful times. <laughs> were there late November. Oh, she's very she's 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 plans ahead. That's impressive. Yeah. Wrapped. Wrapped. Wrapped with in the late name, November. With the name on it. Wow. That's very yeah. different from our Christmas Eve wrapping that tends to happen in our house. Yeah, so for me, we also were were super into Santa. Um, it, it, they went, my parents went to the level of, uh, having my grandfather dress up as Santa and we, my sister and I would sleep in front of the fireplace on the floor, hoping that Santa would trip over us. Right. Yeah. So that we would catch him. Yeah. He's we a good. mystical supernatural creature, but you think you can get him a trip I, over I, you. I trick him that way. <laughs> and so they actually, my dad, um, got a video camera out and the next morning said, Hey, look what we found. And so he like scrambled out there and got video of my grandpa in a Santa suit placing the presents. And so he's whispering to my mom, look, it's him and everything. And so we watched the video Just to perpetuate the myth, to perpetuate the Santa myth. <laughs> That's going to extreme. Oh, yeah. We were, we were very much all in. And I was enough of like a romantic that even when my skepticism started doing the math, I, I denied it. Cause I, I wanted to believe. And so I was like, nope, that, that, nope, nope, nope. It's real. It's real. I can explain that away. And so I was, I, I perpetuated the Santa myth in myself for a really long time. Cause I loved it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> we should have a disclosure at the beginning of this, like to not let kids listen. Yeah. If you're under like, uh, what's the age? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go 10? there. I'm not going to touch that. I don't that. even know. Well, we'll come back a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of what should we do? And we don't really have a should or shouldn't. Just kind of no. what do you do in your house? We wanted to maybe spend a few minutes just uh, sort of just talking about the narrative of what uh, our culture has come to do with Santa Claus and then sort of what that teaches and what it teaches our kids. And then we'll kind of just leave, leave our people in our church with doing it, doing with this, whatever they'd like. Yeah. So that's kind of the goal here. Because the concern, I mean, what, what are people asking? Because we get asked about Santa a lot from parents. What's, what's the concern people are asking about? I think the first, the first concern is uh, we're lying to our kids. And yeah. so should we even, sh- should we lie? Uh, yeah. That's especially with the millennial generation. I think they were more worried about that. I know I was like, I don't want to lie to my kids. Yeah, I don't want to lie to my kids. And so that's one is there's this, there's this, this thing you're going to lie to them. Uh, I think a second one is if we spend a decade trying to uh, convince our kids that this supernatural being who is powerful, who knows everyone, re- really exists, and then we kind of find out that 
all along we knew it wasn't true. That does that does make one then wonder, okay, so is that same thing true with God? Like yeah. that's a supernatural being that knows everyone and you've been telling me my whole life and it 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 leads to skepticism, uh maybe in just a an unnecessary way. Mm-hmm. Um what would what do you what questions do you get? Yeah, I think those are those are really the two big ones is are we lying to our kids? Are we perpetuating a, a story that that um that confuses um faith? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in a in a silly way, like I I just like to kind of point out a little bit, maybe we, we'll we'll do this together, kind of what it is we are saying. What's the what's the theology of Santa Claus, at least the modern American version of Santa Claus? What is it we're teaching our kids? What is it we're teaching ourselves? And I actually think that most American Christians even actually view and live out a theology of Santa Claus rather than a theology of the Bible. And we'll get there. Uh, and so that's kind of my, my big reason for wanting to have this conversation is just my fear is that a lot of us are treating God essentially like Santa. And we really sure. don't know the difference even as adults. Uh, and so let's unpack the theology of Santa real fast. Let's, let's, let's think about it this way. Here's our theology of Santa Claus. You have a being and that being it, maybe our song is the best way to see it. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. He's watching everything that you do. He has that kind of power, that kind of ability. And then he's coming. He sees you. (laughs) Think about it. It's really creepy. Think about what we're saying here. He (laughs) sees you when you're sleeping. That's creepy. He knows when you're awake. Uh, He knows when you've been bad or good. So dead gummit, you better be good. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. And so think about what we're essentially teaching. A lot of emotional health in that. You better oh my not gosh. cry. Yeah, think, think about that. Don't you cry, kids. <laughs> yeah, don't do any of these things. Like that's, we're teaching this, this, this version, that, this, this idea, this narrative, that there is a being, and this being is very powerful. This being is watching what you do, and this being is going to come and dispense good things, presents for your good behavior. And he's supposed to, now here's what's even worse about American, uh, Amer- the American version of Santa. He's supposed to dispense bad things as a punishment to motivate you to do the good things. But in America, he all, even if you're terrible, <laughs> he's still expected to bring you the present, the blessing. Moment of truth, end. Garland. Did you ever have a Christmas where you got no presents and only got coal? Uh, no, I did have a Christmas where I got no presents, though. <laughs> I was exceptionally bad, I guess, that year. So I just want to I want to expose or call to the carpet here, because if you if you describe that being, that is what I think most Americans believe. Yeah. When I when I talk to regular run of the mill people at coffee shops in my family, in my community, on the coasts, in the everywhere, there's few that say, yes, I'm a firm, all the way committed atheist. Right. Most of us adopt a position where there's a some kind of being. He's jolly. He's distant. He stays at the North Pole. And every once in a while, he comes down and he gives me blessing, mm-hmm. especially if I'm good. Yeah. And he's watching everything that I do, and he's keeping a tally, and he's keeping a check mark. And so I better tip the scales in my favor, or he might bring me something bad. And what's really interesting about that, I think the the concept of myth is really powerful. And a lot of people assume when you say myth, that means you're talking about something that's not true. That's really beside the point. A myth is a story a culture tells that helps them understand reality. Yeah, and then act accordingly. And act accordingly. Yeah. And the Santa myth 
is a powerful myth in our culture. It really shapes our thinking. I mean, you even think about that song you were quoting earlier. That's our worship music. Like that is that is a song yeah. that we sing to reinforce an idea. To and reinforce everyone knows view. it from a very. I mean, Every, that's one of the first songs you learn. Yeah, everybody knows it, and so it reinforces this idea: a that the, the, the world is built around this reward system, and yet, ironically, the the bad side of the reward system doesn't ever come. Right. And so somewhere out there, there's people who are getting coal, but those are the really bad people. Exceptionally bad people. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, it, it is a myth that reinforces a worldview that gets oddly twisted up in our idea of God. Right. I think, I think when I talk to most, so that was, that was talking about our American kind of Western Christian, uh, Western culture. When I think about Christians, this is my fear, uh, for mo- for a lot of us, when you, when you interact with culture, it's hard to see it. It's hard to distinguish it. It's in a sense, the air you breathe, the mm-hmm. culture around you, and it infiltrates everything that we do, whether we like it or not. And for a lot of us, what we just said about Santa is how a lot of us think about God. Yeah. He's distant. He is separate from the world. He's at quote in the North pole or in heaven above us somewhere. He is watching everything we do. He has a tally sheet. He has a scorecard. He's recording our goods and our bads. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know there's a lot more bads because even a lot of the good stuff we do is with a bad motive and we don't want to tell people the stuff that's secret. And that's all on the bad ledger. And then we have a good side of some stuff that we try to do. And depending on how naturally kind you might be, you have a better sheet than other people, or maybe depending on how little you look at your, <laughs> your motives and stuff, you have a better record than other people. And God is watching and God is going to reward you or he's going to condemn you based on your record. Uh, It's essentially uh, a deist God. So deist God who's distant from the world, who is, uh, it sounds a lot more like maybe a deist or maybe an Islam, like a Muslim version of God than it does the God of the Bible. And I just, I just want us to be careful uh, to make sure I hear so many people. That's essentially how they think of God. So we want, we want to be aware, especially as parents um, of the stories we tell our kids because right. children's stories from Aesop's fables and fairy tales. I mean, that they, they are all written to shape. That's what stories do is they shape worldview. Correct. And so this is a story that we want to be aware of, of the story it tells. Right. And like a good example, like all of our Disney movies are stories, they're myths that essentially are ingrained into us from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And being able to see, like, I love The Lion King. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But The Lion King, as a story, as a myth, it actually has some really beautiful counterparts that I can draw gospel themes from. And that's in that sense, it can be helpful. When we don't assess, when we don't think critically, the culture's story, the culture's narrative, just we end up breathing it in. And if Christians don't watch it, if, we don't, if we're not careful, we'll end up thinking about God practically, praying to God practically, essentially like Santa, one day he's going to come and I hope he brings me a present. Yeah. It leads a lot of fear and anxiety. And I think, I think that's a, a really valid, important point is every story we hear will shape our view of reality. Right. Um, everything from a news story. Um, when I hear news stories, I begin to think about my world differently based on that news story. When I watch a movie, when I read a book, when I sit down across the table and somebody tells me a story, every story shapes how I see my world. And so when you get these big cultural narratives, they shape a large amount of culture. So we've got this, um, this on the table 
that there's some things in the Santa narrative that that um, are run counter to the biblical narrative. Right. So, is are we proposing then that uh, we as Christians need to be a bunch of stooges and Grinches going around right. destroying the Santa narrative and shooting it down everywhere we see it? No, we're not. Uh, after all, we, be- we believe in the supernatural and the mystical and the wonderful. And so we don't want to go around uh, almost putting on a, an atheistic worldview lens and, and condemning stuff. We just want to be careful. And so in my house, it hasn't been an issue because Titus from when he was about four came home and said, I know there's no Santa. <laughs> and then he told our two-year-old, Hey, you know, there's no Santa, right? And then he perpetuated that every single time Santa came up and there wasn't really any point arguing with him because he was certain. I don't right. know where he got it. Maybe he got it from me. Actually, he got it from me. I think he got it from me. As I say that, he got that from me. What do y'all do? You know, the way we did it, and um, this was actually really cool. Um, we, there's a there's a VeggieTales movie that is actually the historical story of St. Nicholas. Right. And it's really beautiful, like, to learn that man. Like, he, he went through some incredible tragedy, and he found Christ. He experienced God's grace. And part of living out his faith was to be generous to people in need. And so for us, we actually embraced, if you want to call it the Santa myth, but let, they said, we said, hey, let's, let's frame it based on the historical man. And, I, and so we talked about the fact that here's this man who really loved Jesus, and the expression of his faith was he loved surprise, anonymous generosity. Right. That's what he kind of became known for. And so to, to celebrate the generosity of God in, in sending Jesus, we also find fun in anonymous surprise generosity. So we, mm-hmm. we remember this man on Christmas and remember the way he loved Jesus by giving gifts. And so, uh, and so we did not try to necessarily, for our family, we didn't try to perpetuate the idea that there's there's literally a man who's climbing on a roof and coming down the chimney to, to drop presents. But we do the Santa songs, and, and we, we have fun around the idea of Santa. Um, but we frame it in what we think is a more biblical story or a more biblical myth in that there's there's a man who loved Jesus and, and lived that out by, by gift-giving and generosity. If you think about it, like, and this is something that we try to do, like, what we do at Christmas time is odd. You go outside in the cold, you climb a ladder, risking your life and limb to hang lights that you will take down a month later, half of which don't work and you have to buy new ones. It's a frustrating, maddening experience. You put experience. a tree in your living you room. You take a, a tree from outside and put it inside. You gather your family together, which can be a disastrous occasion sometimes. Yep. And uh, we do all these things. And so we, we what, what I found fun is to, like I'll ask our kids, and this is very like Jewish of, I guess, our family, because the Jews are really good at, as people are saying, why do we do this? And having an answer, it's catechesis. Mm-hmm. And what, what I've tried to do is go, hey, why do we put lights on our tree? Why do we put lights on our house, on our tree? Well, because we believe that the light of the world is coming to the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think I think just being able to use this season, why do we do that? Well, because this is what Jesus has done and using it as a way to speak into the, what Jesus has done as opposed to just sort of, casually going through the motions of Christmas and not taking the occasion as a great opportunity to speak about Jesus and what he's done. Uh, and so uh, I think just put, put the bow on this. I, I, I know uh, Piper in an article, this was years ago. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a video. For people who don't uh, know who Piper is. Piper. Yeah, John Piper, he's a, he's a pastor theologian uh, who a lot of us uh, who have, have respected him. He's a teacher and writer. He just, he just made a really helpful uh suggestion and here's what here was the suggestion that stuck with me 
what he said was, <clears throat> if we if we have lost being moved by the story of Christmas, the real story of Christmas, what Jesus has done, if that is too boring for us with our family and our kids, that we can't think of a way to tell that in a compelling way with joy in our eyes, if we can't get our kids excited about that, that we have to then bring in this mystical creature who brings us presents. If we, if we can't do that as Christians, man, we've lost something. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that say about us? And so I love this time of year because it gives us a chance with all these cultural things around us to start talking about a way more compelling story than just a man who comes in with who eats cookies at my house and brings me presents. But the true light of the world, the gift that has changed everything, the truth that what Christmas is actually about as Christians in a clarity season when we're trying to recapture the calendar and recapture these seasons to put them about what they're supposed to be about. That's what we're calling our church to do this Advent season. I love that. I love the intentionality behind that because the, the opposite of a, a, uh, presence in coal mythology is not yank Santa out and just have a really materialistic season where you go, right. Hey kids, I'm getting you the presents. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the opposite of that is an intentionality where yeah. we, we point people to Christ and to the beauty of the season. I think that's a, a great uh, framework for us to go into the holiday season with. So, Hey, thanks for listening to Clarity. Uh, we hope that it has helped us all see Jesus more clearly and will help us and our families and our homes uh, take a good look at Jesus this Christmas season. 